You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carlos Devings, Matt Smith and Neville Bounds. So many more people besides... I know. Hello and <laughs> welcome to episode number 206 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stemmings and joining me as always in the barn studio this week is my co-host Matt Smith. Hello everyone. Hello. How are we all? How are we? Uh, sorry for the slightly tardy start in the show. Uh, we're troubling. We're actually struggling with actual snow. Yeah, yeah. We actual have had snow. actual snow. The yeah. full word snow, yeah. not just sn- we've had snow yeah, this week indeed, here in the UK. Yeah. And I think the whole of the UK has been very, very badly affected by the snow this week. But managing to join us this week, as always, is our other illustrious co-host, Mr. Neville Bounds. Yes, very snowy in Buckinghamshire and Oxfordshire here today. And, um, yeah, good to be here, though. And I thought I wouldn't go into London today because I wasn't in the mood for messing with the trains. And the so I worked from home, which turned out to be a very good move. Indeed. In, in fact, actually, early, earlier in the day, uh, Nev took some footage with his marvellous new camera, which I'm going <gasps> to run for you now. I mean, it really is. Uh, the banana is looking <laughs> very <laughs> under snow, though, it has to be said. Uh, if you're watching, if you're listening to the uh, audio version, then if you watch the YouTube stream, uh, you oh, can look at that. see. Uh, it's quite snowy and um, uh, very unpleasant in, in, in your part of the world, sir. Mm, I had a bit of a dirty banana. and uh, <laughs> we, we <didn't laughs> that, we? No. Oh, Indeed. we oh, do love to see, see the cat there. No. Very good. <laughs> Indeed. So it's, uh, yeah, no, it's, it is a lovely part, part of, uh, I'm a bit bored of it now, though. I know we've had it for three days. Yeah. So I'm, I'm yeah. bored of the white stuff <laughs> yes. now. Yeah, the snow's been um, snow's been yeah. a bit. Um, well, yeah, we've we've had a good dusting. It's safe uh, to yes, say here have, in the yeah, East Anglia. Yeah. So joining us as well in the barn studio this week, uh, he's back again joining us here, and uh, it's uh, it's the uh, the Prince of uh, Harpjet, and it is Owen. <laughs> hey guys, great to be back. And uh, yeah, had a bit of a. A bit of a tough time in the snow. Um, oh, and you, <laughs> you, you must, you know, with, with Harpjet and stuff, obviously because you, you're based here in the UK, you must have been having some real difficulties with flights now in the UK. Yeah, um, I mean, they haven't been too bad, uh, but the, the ones in and out of Ireland have been really affected. Ireland has had like a, a, a critical or a red warning or whatever it means that basically has shut the whole, um, the whole of the country down, including our head offices and that sort of thing. <gasps> So, um, Stats is picking up the, the slack a little bit on that, and um, it's been a very, very busy week. Oh. Yeah. But uh, with the aircraft that you use uh, in the fleet, you've got your own steps, haven't you, on your aircraft? Yeah. So you haven't got yeah. to worry about having steps brought up to the aircraft with by um, frozen... Yeah, with frozen yeah. hydraulic trucks, yeah. essentially. Yeah. yeah. So you're lucky yeah. in that respect. No, it's really handy to have the, the, the uh, built-in steps, and mm. I suppose... The main reason for that is to, to let us have those quick turnaround times. Yeah. And, uh, but you're safe anyway. Uh, when you've had uh, you've had a, a good week. Yeah, had a reasonably good week, and um, <laughs> yeah, now time for a nice bit of downtime. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, exactly. I mean, the, the original plan was actually to do a bit of learning to drive um, <gasps> in the snow. That would be a good yeah, driving lesson. But, but, uh, yeah. do, you know, do you know what? Still up for a challenge. Right. Yeah. I'm not too sure. I don't, know if, me and my, I don't know if me and my car are up for it. I have to be honest, but there we are. Yeah, so, it's so also joining us in the barn studio this week, uh, it's a very special guest host joining us on the show. And uh, for those of you who came to the Goodwood Meetup, you may well have seen uh, this uh, young man there. And uh, we're going to welcome him for the first time into the barn studio, Armando. 
absolutely excited to be here. I think any listener would just, you know, kill to be here in the barn studio, actually seeing the, the behind the scenes. It's uh, awesome. Awesome. Yeah, so thanks usually, for having me. Usually kills most people's illusions, it has to be said, watching, watching the <laughs> chaos. No, not at all. <laughs> Completely impressed. So how, how are things with you, Armando? Are you uh, enjoying this um, this uh, winter weather? Yeah, we're kind of in the same boat. I, um, you know, I tried to fly on Wednesday for work, and uh, we gave it a shot, but the weather and the snow was just not good. So we've had actually had a couple of days off. The uh, Us and the RAF uh, guys that we were working with were, um, yeah, we just kind of took a couple of days off. Yeah. Wow. That's good. That. Snowball fights all around then. <laughs> I did yeah. I did see a couple of snowball fights. <laughs> really? On the yeah. You know. Oh, awesome. Did anyone build a snowman or a snow jet or uh, a snow jet or huh? a snow osprey? Uh, snow jet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, but we'll see uh, we'll see on Monday when we get back to work. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, uh, Owen showed me a picture of of, of a snowman that had been built, built Oh, home, yeah, 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 it? It yeah. just absolutely awesome. Really. Yeah, had um um yeah. The picture taken from my, my family out in, uh, in Galway in Ireland, and they uh, had built a snowman that was probably about twice the size of most uh, m- most yeah, of my family. Absolutely. Now, it, to be fair, that's everything. not hard. My family are quite short. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, still. I see one of the funniest things I think I saw on Facebook this, this week was... Um, uh, it, w- it was that the headline that said, "Do you want to build a snowman?" Yeah. And then it said underneath, "No, I want to go and lie on a beach, build a sandcastle, <laughs> and enjoy the sunshine." <laughs> I saw that as well. Yeah. Welcome to That's March, funny. everyone. Yes. Welcome Indeed. to March. Indeed. So it is the second of March. My word, but in March already, I'm guys sorry, there's and girls. So, there's so many cameras and images. On and uh, it's uh, just coming out. We've just gone past half past seven in the evening here in the UK. We're going to say a big th- uh, welcome to everyone who's joined us yeah. in the YouTube chat room tonight. Loads of people in there uh, joining us this evening we've got uh, well we've got starting off we've got Barbara Parrish is in the chat room uh, we've got Jonathan Warner Shorty Crosgrove Liz Piper oh, have you told Jonathan there's no military oh, here sh- and, uh, <laughs> we've got uh, Jeff Braithwaite as well joining oh, us we actually had the emails we had yourself. first officer Mike joining us earlier from yeah, from rather high aloft yes. uh, Ben Marling hello Ben Marling uh, we've got uh, whoa, I'm just going over Neil Landwarn hello Neil how are you uh, Myla the lovely Mile is in the chat room as well. Um, uh, Tony S. Richard King, he's been entertaining the chat room with some rather uh, funny little uh, sentences, I think, <laughs> there in the chat room. David Corson as well, he's in the oh, uh, wow. chat room, but he's going to the pub. Uh, I don't I, I he might be going to the pub at some point this evening. Yeah, I don't um, know the way this is going. Probably not, but anyway. And <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, and and, I've, and if I've missed anyone, I'm very sorry. But thank you for joining us all in the uh, live chat room tonight, Matt. What are you putting on there, Matt? Is that a- so that, this is actually somebody who I work with. Anna, and she. This was the road uh, this morning from Ilkeshaw St Lawrence to Bungie, uh, and it was just. Like, I've never seen anything like it. That is a lot of polystyrene. That is I'll a lot it. of white took a polystyrene. Lot, took a lot to put that scene together. Yeah, there, absolutely. Yeah. I know, I, you know, <laughs> the CGI you know, is is award winning. Award winning yeah, for that. <laughs> I have to say. Anyway. Yeah. So it's fair to say that. And you, you, as I say, we're normally the first to say that here in the UK we don't get snow. We get snow. Yeah. But actually, we've um, had snow. We have actually had snow. So we are going to kick off then and start the show then as we do each week with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if you're ready, Matt. Uh, yes. And if you're ready, Owen. I certainly am. Armando. You're ready to go. Let's Nev. go. Nev. Nev. I'm ready. ready. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, Nev. Do we want to do that one again? No. We're no. Not. no it's, it's, it's fine. Sorry. It's My fine. bad. Yes, yes. Do you want to come to any restaurant for a meal? <laughs>
don't no, worry. Don't it's worry, no good. Nev. We're going to have to get uh, Nev a room here, aren't we? We are, absolutely. Yeah. Right. I'll kick him under the table for you, Nev. How does that sound? That's all right. That's yeah. I'll, send a, I'll send a limousine round next week, Nev. Oh, well, quite Yeah, thank yes, you. Absolutely. Or, or Gemma will pick you up, one of the two. Right. Anyway, kicking off this week's first news story, then. This one is on the independent.co.uk website. And, um, well, it's a headline that we're all used to here over the last few days here in the UK. And uh, it's UK weather. Hundreds more flights cancelled across Britain as turmoil continues. So for most of you who in the UK or abroad or anywhere really, you'll know that we've been we've been experiencing some rather interesting weather here in the UK. Pretty it's safe to say, Matt, I think this is probably the worst snow we've had in a good amount of years. Probably 10 years, I yeah, would say. Yeah, at least. Nev, can you remember the last time we had anything this sort of bad? No? Uh, it was a few years ago. I think this is the first time we've had those really low temperatures, though, for yeah. an extended period of time. And that's what's yeah. made the snow um, uh, settle and, and stay yeah. around for a while. So 60 EasyJet flights uh, to and from Bristol Airport were cancelled. Severe weather moved uh, southwest, uh, grounding around 10,000 passengers, many of them at overseas airports. While some early flights from Bristol took off uh, this week, normally the prospect of severe weather has led to the grounding of the rest of uh, this week's programme. The destinations include Tenerife, Gibraltar, Stockholm, all locations from which alternative travel is difficult to arrange. Passengers whose flights are cancelled or heavily delayed by bad weather are not entitled to cash compensation but the airline must provide meals and if necessary overnight accommodation to stranded travellers. Many EasyJet flights from Gatwick, its biggest base and its headquarters airport of Luton uh, also were grounded as well. The airline said that as a result of the adverse weather conditions uh, which are still affecting the UK and they still are now uh, and Europe we are expe uh, expecting disruption to, uh, to many flights. We strongly advise all passengers due to travel today and probably tomorrow as well I think looking at the weather to continue to check with the airlines before they travel to the airports and uh, well it's safe to say that's probably the best idea really um, for passengers abroad EasyJet has a policy of booking passengers on rival airlines if it can't rebook within 48 hours of the original trip mm. Ryanair has cancelled all of its flights to and from the East Midlands Leeds, Bradford, Edinburgh and Glasgow airports for the rest uh, of well, of yesterday The uh, and today I think they've cancelled quite a few flights uh, a day yeah, as well yeah Edinburgh is closed today yeah yeah, yeah the I mean, a lot of the cancellations are what I call UK based though aren't they because mm. I know as I say although there was a brief delay um, with uh, Charlotte and, and Sarah taking off today, but they, 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 their flight was five past four, and the only reason it was delayed until half past four is because they had Heathrow. One of the runways was closed while they de-iced it and got it back up and running again. But you know, so it was only a sort of twenty-five minute delay, really. But because uh, mm. of course, when they get the other end, it's absolutely fine, isn't it? <laughs> it's yeah, just, yeah. I think yeah. it's safe to say that it's it's, it's come hard. I, I think we were mm, not greatly prepared for what has hit the UK I yeah, think a lot which of the services again seems a bit strange because you think we, we knew it was coming hmm. um, you know and the beast from the east that they keep referring to is just <laughs> yeah. like making me laugh uh, you, you, I think it's Storm you, Ember they call it well no it started as the beast from the east and then, then the winds and everything yeah. are Storm Emma, hmm. so it's Nev how do, you, how do you feel we, we cope here in the UK with the airports here with the adverse weather 
as the oldest member of the team, um, <laughs> I'm obviously old enough to remember when it was really snowy in the 70s and early 80s. And the reason we've got all these flight delays is not really because of the snow. It's because of the very tight schedules that the airlines operate to, particularly the low cost ones where they've got no um, wriggle room at all. So yeah, they obviously uh, they obviously have, you know, 25, 30 minute turnaround sometimes. Mm. Uh, and those kind of figures just aren't sustainable when the weather's like this. And I remember going on BA flights years ago when they had, you know, probably an hour and a half be between flights. Well, that, that no longer happens anymore. So yeah. the problem is that the schedules just are so tight. It's the slightest disruption in the weather. I remember Adam saying to us about the operations that he throw as well. When the weather's calm and uh, everything's great, it's not a problem at all. But the moment there's a, a bit of a hiccup, whether it's yeah. fog or snow, whatever it is, then it does fall apart fairly quickly. And they need to make sort of tactical cancellations. Yeah. So, um, you know, especially the short haul sectors. Yeah, tactical yeah. cancellations and, and uh, tactical uh, decisions regarding crew, regarding um, manpower on the ground, yeah. um, and that, that sort of thing. And I suppose we'll talk about it later with the mm. with one of the stories coming up. For um, you, Armando, obviously you're you're in a completely different kind of well industry as such to to commercial aviation. Does it affect you guys the same? Yeah, I think so. I, I you know we we've got a limited amount of snow removal equipment and ground personnel it's absolutely the same the thing i think we just have a little bit more you know wiggle room we can flexibility yeah, yeah we can we can cancel flights and it you know, we just reschedule them for the weekends or something mm. our, our flight schedules are nowhere near a commercial mm. you know operation so yeah so moving on to uh, the next story then matt and as always this one is especially chosen for you because uh, it's uh, involving a certain Low-cost carrier here in the UK. <laughs> Indeed, yeah, sorry about Ooh. that. I blew into my microphone. Sorry, everyone. Everyone's got a headache. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's on the BBC News website. And sad news, really, I think, personally. Uh, mm. Ryanair to axe Glasgow Airport base. Uh, Ryanair is to close its base at Glasgow Airport, warning that 300 jobs could go as a result. The airline, which also operates out of Presswick, Edinburgh and Aberdeen, will cut the, the number of routes out of Glasgow from 23 to just three. Gosh, that's... A really serious cut, isn't it? Uh, Chief Commercial Officer David O'Brien said uh, that he blamed the, the change in the cost of air passenger duty and said Glasgow simply could not bear the burden. Uh, Glasgow Airport said it was bitterly disappointed by Ryanair's decision. A spokesman for the airport said that there was no doubt that the failure to replace air passenger duty APD uh, with a cheaper air departure tax in Scotland was behind the move. Uh, the Scottish Government said it remained committed to reducing APD by 50%, but that there were still issues to be resolved before it could be introduced. Ryanair made the announcement as it unveiled its new schedule for, for winter 2018, confirming that only services to Dublin, um, what, Rocklaw is that? Rothkopf, Rothkopf, and and Krakow would uh, continue from Glasgow. The uh, company said eleven new routes would be added to its Edinburgh shed schedule. Uh, Ryanair has had to be nicer about uh, about its passengers of late, addressing them as uh, suckers for low fares when only. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> could only get uh, the airline so far, but uh, remains ruthless in its treatment of airports. For many, Presswick included, it's only it's the only um, passenger airline and is not afraid to use that leverage. Uh, so why abandon Glasgow as a base? Uh, Chief Commercial Officer David O'Brien talked about lots of air departure tax, the Holyrood-controlled rebrand of air passenger duty. Uh, he also said that it was down, oh, here we go, to 
Brexit. <laughs> that word already? Oh, good. Oh, did I say that out loud? Sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. It's not immensely <laughs> obvious why uh, either should be the reason when Edinburgh and Glasgow are equally affected. Um, well, like, um, maybe it's you know got more passengers going through it. I think that's probably the long and the short of it, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, so it's a sad story in the fact that they're axing flights, uh, mm. uh, it, well, basically closing the base at, uh, at Glasgow. But um, I mean, Owen, you work for a large airline here. In the mm. UK, I mean, when when things like this happen, don't can't they relocate staff to other bases? Or? Uh, yeah, so like uh, things happen, and you you get a huge amount of people needing to be relocated, and generally what happens is uh, they get a list of bases where they can potentially choose from, um, and they the company does their best to try and accommodate everyone with their with their first choice. Um, I mean, tends to be more permanent bases. I know Glasgow. Uh, it had two aircraft in the summer, one aircraft in the winter, so it was kind of a seasonal, well, a kind mm. of a semi-seasonal base anyway. Um, but it, yeah, it, you, the, the staff are all going to get relocated and uh, brought out to other airports, possibly to Prestwick, which uh, will grow, and Edinburgh will will grow and 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 gain quite a lot of the flights that Glasgow, um, the Glasgow had. Um, I believe most of the routes will still operate that that did operate um to glasgow and, and, and from glasgow will operate to and from edinburgh and prestwick so there still is good I think actually they've, they've got quite a decent operation out of prestwick as well haven't they in fact if it wasn't for ryan mm. i think the airport would not be doing as well there so well, I think that's, mm. uh, yeah um yeah. prestwick is, is is i think has 16 routes out of it if my memory serves and and mm. um yeah they most of those, uh, I would imagine, will be will be Ryanair, um, and they do quite a few um, long range uh, flights out to the Canaries and stuff out of, out of Prestwick as as well. So, it, there is quite a big operation there. I know um, Ryanair also has a maintenance base in Prestwick, mm. um, right. yeah. so I I don't think that that's going anywhere anytime soon. Have you ever had the um, chance to fly Ryanair, Armando? Quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's run at that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. It's and he loved every moment. I'm of it. sure he did. So moving on to the next story, then, and as always, we're moving over to Sir Nev. Oh yes, it's a British Airways story, and this is on the <laughs> businesstraveller.com. And British Airways has announced plans for a new transatlantic basic fare, which will launch this spring on selected routes. Exact routes and pricing are not yet available, but the carrier has confirmed that the fare will offer passengers hand baggage only and will not include seat selection. The new fare will launch in April on selected transatlantic routes with our joint business partners, American, Iberia and Finnair. It will be referred to as basic on AA, BA and Iberia, and light on Finnair services. The unbundled fare will be offered on selected routes between Europe and North America and will continue to include in-flight meals, in-flight entertainment, headphones and blankets. In a release, uh, BA said that the new fare would allow customers the choice to personalise their journey and only pay for the elements they require, with passengers able to add options individually. More information on routes and pricing will be made available when the fares go live. Uh, the carriers 
are the latest to introduce uh, HBO transatlantic fare options and Virgin Atlantic will surely now follow suit. Its partner Delta has already announced HBO fares on selected routes linking Europe and the US. Other airlines who have adopted HBO fares on transatlantic routes include Air France, KLM, Alitalia and Air Lingus. That's quite an interesting development, mm. isn't it? Because I think mm. that uh, not everybody wants the, all, everything. And uh, I think if they're just trying to get from A to B and they're taking hand baggage only, um, some, some basic options would be quite good. So it'll be interesting would to see what, say those, this, uh, what those fares are like. Do you reckon this is going to be snapped up by business travellers, Nev? This no, particular no, fare, no. Almost certainly not. No. I, I would say this is for people that uh, fairly regularly go back and forth uh, across the North Atlantic, and don't want to pay for for baggage, and actually they want a sort of slightly no frills experience. Mm. But it remains to be seen. And if the fare is competitive, then uh, as they said, other airlines will follow suit. I think yeah, we'll have to see what the prices are when they yeah. come out in April. Yeah. Well, they're going to be competing against the likes of uh, I think Primera Air is starting up in, in yeah. Stansted, and they're mm. they're going to be doing um, transatlantic. Look, There's a few. Norwegian as well, I guess. Norwegian, yeah. yeah. So they they yeah. they do have a lot of competition, I suppose, mm. pressing in from uh, yeah. from the the lower um, fares airlines. So uh, yeah, it yeah. makes it makes sense, and, and mm. hopefully it get a bit more people. I, I, I don't know. I, I feel I, not that anybody cares about my opinion particularly, but I mean, it's just that <laughs> True. I do I do wonder. Uh, do, don't people fly British Airways because they expect a specific standard? Though, you know, it's like well, you fly well, Ryanair because you know what you're going to get. Yeah, you I think that's the trouble because I mean, because don't, don't forget British Airways and the the what we'll call the the premium carriers, if you like. They only really make money on the uh, on those business class and first class seats. Yeah. All the economy and uh, all the stuff down the back that they, they don't really make much money on on, especially on the longer haul sectors. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how they can really make money with with, with this model. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, if there are fewer bags going on, maybe that there's a possibility of uh, some alteration there. But uh, I think. We'll just see what the fares come out at, and then uh, then you can probably make a, a better judgment after yeah. that. I, would I wonder if it's yeah. just to get bums on seats, just to to fill that a few more um, mm. few yeah, more seats. Yeah. I know. So Carlos and I were just talking about this. We uh, once Norwegian came on the scene. <clears throat> I've almost exclusively flown Norwegian back to the states, and I go back maybe three to four times a year. And and it's just like you guys are saying. Like I, I know what I'm getting, yeah. but I like it. Yeah, uh, you know, and I'm willing to pay that. Yeah. And and uh, and it's just. You know, it's it's what it's my price point. Are they good? Norwegian? They are really good, actually. Okay. Yeah, it's funny. The last episode we were talking about it, and and I ha- I've flown Norwegian quite a bit, and I, I absolutely love them. Yeah, it's great airplanes, yeah. fun cruise, um, on time service, and and just gets me back to the uh, U.S. I mean, I suppose if, it, if you just want, you know, especially like in your case, I mean, you, you wanted to just go home, aren't you? You want to spend time with family, you know, and if you can do that at a sensible price, then then it's a no-brainer, isn't that's it? It just makes the, yeah. the world so much smaller, well, yeah, which, is exactly. a, uh, which is nice. Yeah. So moving on to the next story then, and Armando, this one is, uh, especially <laughs> for you, this is a bit of an interesting story this week. Awesome. awesome. Yeah, so from foxnews.com, Jetstar flight forced to turn around after airline crew forgets clipboard in plane <laughs> engine. Um, do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is kind of funny. So a, a flight traveling from Auckland, New Zealand to Sydney was forced to turn around because a crew member forgot to remove his clipboard from the plane's right engine. A ground worker was conducting a pre-flight check on the Jetstar Airbus A320 when he placed his clipboard on the plane's engine cowling covering to protect to protect his papers from the rain and the wind. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then he forgot to retrieve them. Oh, dear. Uh, a new report from the Australian Transport Safety Bureau... Uh, that investigated the October incident explains the worker was preparing the aircraft for service 
and loading containers when he forgot or when he placed his clipboard in the engine. Uh, a dispatcher conducting a walkthrough of the aircraft before uh, takeoff saw the clipboard, but assumed the worker would come back for it. So she did not retrieve it. According to the report, the uh, worker responsible for the clipboard assumed the dispatcher would have grabbed it. Neither, however, removed the item from the engine before the uh, plane took off. Um, yeah, so uh, as you can imagine, they, uh, it didn't turn out so well. The, uh, the airline said, the, uh, or the official said, the presence of foreign object debris poses a significant threat to That's aircraft it. safety. Right. I mean, most, I mean, I've got a clipboard at work. It's made out of wood, albeit well, thin wood, but it's made out of a fairly sturdy piece of wood Substance. with a metal clip. Yeah. And I'm fairly confident that would do it. Yeah, I don't think, oh, a, yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. a metal clip would have been very good for the engine. Let's no. be honest. I think uh, I hope somebody sort of checked it to make sure that the engine was okay. Mind you, was, oh, I don't know. Well, they they actually go on to say that the clipboard left minor damage in the engine's <laughs> fan blade and attrition liner oh, uh, t used to soften noise after it was ingested by the aircraft engine. Oh. Um, it, this is kind of interesting because I used to work uh, on as a ramp rat for uh, United Airlines back in Dullus Airport. What's so a ramp rat? I like a ramp rat. Like a ramp rat. <laughs> yeah, that's what we call them, right? Uh, I think that's more of an American term to be honest with. Yeah, <laughs> yeah ramp rats. <laughs> I like it. I like yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, don't start using it now. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably offend somebody over here. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, this would have been un unheard of. I mean, you, that's an immediate, you know, you get terminated. And that that's uh, it's just not good for anybody. No, no. Okay, so we're going to move on to the next story now, and I presume this this is for you, Owen. Um, <laughs> I always get very nervous whenever I open a uh, you know a, a story, and the first thing that you know the little tabs where they put all the stuff at the top there. I always get very nervous when it says the word Donald Trump. <laughs> Here we go. So this is from LiveMint.com, and it says Donald Trump reaches a deal with Boeing on. Did you just say dumb Trump? <laughs> I don't think I was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, sorry. Mm, just, just maybe. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Anyway, carry on. Uh, so, the Donald. I'm just trying to get you into trouble. That's all I'm trying to do. Reaches a new Everyone deal with Boeing Owens. on the new presidential planes. Um, Boeing says it's proud to build the next generation of Air Force One, providing American presidents with a flying White House at an outstanding value to taxpayers. Uh, President Donald Trump has reached an informal deal with Boeing to provide the next generation of presidential aircraft, the White House says. Deputy Press Secretary Hogan uh, Gidley on Tuesday said that the president negotiated a $3.9 billion fixed-price contract for the new planes known as Air Force One when the president is on board. It follows years of negotiation between Boeing and the U.S. Air Force and Trump's personal in, uh, intervention since his election. In December 2016, Trump tweeted uh, that costs for the program were out of control, more than $4 billion. He added, he added cancel order. Boeing chief executive Dennis uh, Mullenberg met multiple times with Trump to discuss Air Force One's contract most recently last week. Boeing in a statement said it's proud to build the next generation of Air Force One, providing American presidents with a flying White House at an outstanding value to taxpayers. President Trump negotiated a good deal on behalf of the American people, it said. Gidley said the agreement would save taxpayers more than $1.4 billion, but it remains unclear exactly how that number was calculated. The White House said the cost estimate had risen to over $5 billion for the two airplanes, but it did not provide any documentation to illustrate that claim. 
The agreement includes the two 747-800 aircraft and the cost of modifying the commercial planes with the equipment needed to support the presidential uh, support the president, including external stairs, large galleys, and a secure communication suite. Other modifications include electrical power upgrades and adding a medical facility, an ex executive space, and a self-defense system. As an example of the unusually high costs associated with Air Force One, the Pentagon announced in December that Boeing was given a $23.7 million contract to design, make, and install, wait for it, the refrigerators <laughs> on the president's plane. Well, the, uh, one must always have cold beer. Well, there's that. <laughs> I, I, I think so too. But yeah, um, $3.9 million for two air, uh, aircraft, that seems a... A bit large. I'm just a bit surprised. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this one at there, but I'm kind of like surprised really that 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 Boeing don't give it to them because surely it's the most amazing like advertising you could ever possibly mm. imagine. You know that, that you know the president flies a Boeing. I think mm. it, it's, yeah. Well, well, I think in this instance, and with every uh, Air Force One that's ever been built, I'm sure it's a, it's a commercial operation for Boeing, and obviously it's probably one of the most expensive 747s they ever make in terms of all the stuff they've got on board there. So it, they they've got to sell it as a real aircraft, and um, yeah, and I, obviously the, there's there's so many security things on on the aircraft yeah. compared to yeah. a regular uh, passenger version. It's yeah, amazing, isn't it? Haven't haven't you got your own version? Uh, Nev, you had one built for you, Nev Force One. Uh, no, I've, uh, I should do really, shouldn't I? I'd quite like a little, um, perhaps a, an Airbus A three one eight would be quite nice, so I can get in there. City Airport, uh, something like that. If I paint it yellow, that would right. be even better. Yeah. Well, it's got to be, it's got to match the colour of the banana, hasn't it? You realise yeah, sort of yeah. all yeah. cars um, that you ever own after the banana now have to be yellow, don't you? you really uh, that, now that, that I've yeah. reached that's the colour spectrum I'm yeah, on. Absolutely. Certainly. Yeah, yeah. 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 Or, or more Indeed. realistically, we can just paint his face on the back of a PA twenty eight or something. <laughs> <like that. laughs> <laughs> well, there is that, absolutely. Uh, some no, comments I, in the chat room, actually, they're saying, like, uh, the, the, our main man, the, the legend that is Micah, is actually saying that he thinks it's a, a bit of a, a bit of a stupid choice for the aircraft, really. But, uh, you know. Well, I don't know. But I assume what this contract uh, entails is also some of the upkeep of the aircraft and providing uh, parts of um, the, the specialist security systems, possibly, um, that... that will need to inevitably be replaced throughout the years yeah yeah i think it's actually just a big conglomerate of companies that come t together to build something like this boeing is is the the main company but but really uh, there's a bunch of yeah, companies but, but let's, let's be honest let, you know he's, i'm gonna talk i'm gonna mention the word politics uh -oh. um you know <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> brace yourselves everyone because he's ne he's never ever going to commission an, an airplane that isn't solely built in the in the u.s or at least have very strong he's never going to choose an airbus for example because right. they're made you know, predominantly in Europe and in France. Yeah, and, it's, and an, all it's that an image. However, yeah. isn't it interesting when he had? I don't know if he still got his seven five seven with <gasps> mm. Trump down the yeah. side of it. Mm. He absolutely insisted on that documentary. If you ever watched it, yeah. that they had to be Rolls Royce engines, um, yeah, really? and he wouldn't he wouldn't have it any other way. So perhaps uh, that's his little uh, tip of a wink to uh, to the to UK us. from there. But yeah, uh, yeah that so it was quite an interesting documentary. Yeah, he, uh, he was involved with. Perhaps he will insist something similar with. Uh, with uh, Air Force One, mm, can't see it somehow. But, uh, it's got, to, it's got to be U.S. built engines. I'm absolutely sure about that. Oh dear! Well, you can yeah. you can you can dream, can't you? Can dream. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. So next story. 
And uh, this one's on Express. Very posh paper here in the UK. Right, okay. I always get very nervous whenever stories involve the, <laughs> the, the Daily Express. The Express.co.uk, this one. Right, brace and, yourself, uh, everyone. It's, it's, it's one of those things... It's where we all go for our aviation uh, news. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things I think everyone would love to see at one point in their lifetime. And this is uh, the moment that uh, a British Airways oh, flight yeah. catches the Northern Lights at 30,000 feet. So passengers on board a BA Special Aerobility Aurora flight last Saturday were treated to an extraordinary front row view of the Northern Lights at 30,000 feet. The evening was hosted by British astronaut and national treasure Tim Peake, who was joined by 142 stargazers travelling in hope of catching this dreamlike phenomenon. Whilst it's best uh, seen in the Arctic Circle, the flight took off from Gatwick Airport and headed north to catch the, gl uh, the rare glimpse of this spectacular display. So the Northern Lights, or the Aurora Borealis, is an uh, ethereal natural light display, boasting flashes of green and blue and red in the night sky. The beautiful aurora occurs due to the particles from the sun striking atoms in the Earth's atmosphere, causing them to release light. According to Aurora Watch UK, the best display comes when the aurora moves directly overhead when you can see the corona effect where bands of light diverge from the sky directly above you, filling the whole sky. The day started at Gatwick Airport, where Star Watch is headed uh, from Aurora expert and BBC, the Sky at Night presenter P uh, Pete Lawrence. It was then followed by a special guest lecture from Tim Peake, the first British astronaut to visit the European Space Agency. So, the... Uh, Sunset passengers boarded the Airbus A320 aircraft and headed 61 degrees north to the coast of the Shetland Isles in hope of witnessing the celestial sight. Passengers were lucky catching green hues of the aurora from a passenger window. Captain Ian Mills, who operated the flight, said that British Airways is incredibly proud to be able to support this special charter flight, and we're delighted that we played a part in helping raise money for a fantastic cause. The flight was put on in order to raise money for Airability, a charity that gives people with a disability a chance to fly. And uh, all proceeds from the evening were used to support the aviation-based opportunities for disabled young people, disabled adults and wounded soldiers. In attendance was Mike Miller, Smith, uh, MBE, CEO of the charity, uh, British Airways Senior First Officer and Aerobility uh, Chairman Shona Bowman and First Officer Aerobility Trustee Andy Robbins. Mike Miller, Smith, MBE, said the Aerobility Aurora flight uh, required a huge amount of hard work and planning and with the help of British Airways tonight has been a great success Airability supporters and the British Airways crews have been fantastic and this is not the first time the Northern Lights have been seen from the UK this month uh, throughout February clear skies have meant the Aurora Borealis could have been spotted. And this is great obviously charity work, obviously yeah. really yeah. really good for charity but also as well it, it must be amazing to see that from, uh, from the sky for have sure you, Have you ever seen the Northern Lights Nev? Um, not quite. Now, I have been quite north in Sweden uh, a couple of times, uh, but sadly I've not, not seen them close up. But certainly at a distance I, I was able to see them. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if you're uh, above them or, or you actually go up to uh, the north part of Norway, it must be an uh, absolutely beautiful sight, I would imagine. Have you seen these before, Amanda? Uh, yeah, actually I have. The, uh, <gasps> oh. it, it was the coolest thing. First of all, uh, I'm from Puerto Rico, and... We were do we were doing some work up in northern Norway in uh, Evanes um, with the Norwegians up there, and that is a long way to go for a Puerto Rican. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. okay. No elite territory, yes. But yeah, absolutely. It was just like you see on the TV documentaries and everything. Yeah. It's just awesome. So, so cool to see just lights dancing in the sky like that. Yeah. Exactly what you would think it would be. Yeah, I think yeah. it's everyone's bucket list. Item, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Trouble is, yeah, I mean, I know people who've gone to go and see the Northern Lights, and and it just hasn't happened for them. When they, yeah. yeah, hasn't happened when they, they've gone, so they've gone all that way. That's <laughs> the thing with natural phenomena. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the next story then uh, for you, Matt. This one is uh, especially for for anyone who's wishing to move into a kind of uh, engineering. Uh, right. aviation experience okay yeah. so this is on the dside.com website and the headline is deadline to apply for a craft apprenticeship at airbus broughton fast approaching so applications close on friday the 2nd of march so you've got to do it now basically <laughs> if you're going to do it you've got the next uh, four hours and if, you, if you're listening to this which the version that's released on sunday the audio only version i'm afraid you've missed the deadline <laughs> uh, but anyway the highly technical nature of the aerospace industry has created a huge demand for skilled and qualified specialists in the uk Recruiting the best skilled and semi-skilled people is at the heart of the Airbus strategy to develop the world's leading aircraft family. By joining the Aircraft Apprenticeships Programme, you receive second-to-none training while gaining the necessary skilled knowledge and experience to enable you to take an immediate contribution uh, to make an immediate contribution when you enter the workforce. Over 100 apprentices were taken on in 2017 at Broughton, and in the last five years, Airbus and Airbus Defence and Space have trained 500 external apprentices and a further 300 internal apprentices. Apprenticeships. Uh, an Airbus uh, aircraft apprenticeship offers an opportunity to gain qualifications with no fees whilst acquiring, acquiring new skills through vocational training, hands-on work experience and regular salaries. Um, so for more information, basically if you take yourself to dside.com and look for uh, apply for craft apprenticeship, uh, then all the links are there if you want to have a look. I don't know if uh, uh, one story I was reading when we were looking at this on the way back suggested that the deadline might possibly be extended. Mm. But, well, uh, there's uh, so there's other ones um, based in Brockton and well, um, but more uh, sort of business style and uh, engineering degree style uh, <laughs> apprenticeships and they're closing on the 9th of March. So yeah, if you so, are listening mm. to us... Um, Yes. Not live. Not live. Then then you've got you've got till the ninth of March for those ones. Mm. Either um, way, you still need to get on with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. It. But yeah, it's absolutely. it's it's great. Um, it would be nice to hear if any of the listeners at all know anyone or have anyone who's uh, possibly applied for or going through a apprenticeship scheme like yeah. this. It'd be great to hear from oh, them. Yeah. See what it's, see what it's all about. It'd be yeah. really good. This, mm. this this is the thing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, no, it, it's it's a it's a great uh, boost on. <laughs> For all the uh, negative things we say about the scare bus. <laughs> the scare bus. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Oh. I, I don't say anything negative about the, uh, the Airbus at all. No, no, okay. Uh, and on that bombshell, Nev, I think the next story is with you. <laughs> <laughs> this is on the uh, telegraph.co.uk, and again, it's about the airport delays. But they're asking, why are UK airports so poor at dealing with snow? Stockholm, Arlanda, Sweden's largest, largest airport, has never once shut because of snow. Serving one of the coldest capitals in Europe, the airport prides itself on how it combats adverse weather employing one of the most efficient weather uh, winter operations 
in the business. It might suffer occasional delays, close one of its three runways or restrict flights to only arrivals, but it has never shut its doors altogether. British airports, on the other hand, tend to grind to a complete halt in the face of much tamer conditions. Closures aside, even the lightest flurries of snow seem to cause cancellations and delays at the UK's largest hubs. On Monday, BA cancelled 36 flights from Heathrow first thing, whilst in December, flights were grounded on two separate occasions when snow arrived across the country. There are concerns more snow this week will cause further disruption, which it did. If aircraft, runways, taxiways and aprons are contaminated with snow and ice, then they need to be cleared, which takes time and in turn reduces airfield capacity, explains Paul Beecham from Nats, the UK's air traffic control provider. Add to that the potential for low visibility and the whole operation uh, has to slow down to keep the airport safe. Depending on the severity of the weather, it might also be necessary for us to work with the airlines and airports to agree what are called flow regulations to reduce the number of flights arriving into the airspace, again in order to maintain safe and manageable traffic levels and not to exceed what the airport has capacity for on the ground. Such a flow regulation was imposed on Heathrow in December when the capital saw snow, leading to delays and cancellations. When an airport is running at high capacity, as Heathrow does, with a packed schedule of flights, even the smallest disruption can have vast knock-on effects. In anticipation, some airlines will cancel flights in advance to provide some slack in their operations. And uh, a British Airways statement, for example, said that this week's disruption said that it has proactively cancelled some services, as we were saying earlier on. Author and pilot Patrick Smith says that delays caused by snow are no different to the way poor weather might affect a normal commute. Bad weather causes delays in two ways, he says. The first is materially, uh, the physical slowdown that inevitably results when human beings are forced to perform their duties in harsher than normal conditions. If it's raining or snowing, planes tend to be late taking off for the same reason. People tend to be late getting to work or school. We and our vehicles move more slowly. Simple tasks take longer. The second way, which has greater repercussions and is hard to predict, is by blocking up the air traffic control system. Weather delays is frequently a misnomer. More correctly, it's a traffic delay, the product of aircraft saturation at departure point, destination, or somewhere in between. Even in ideal weather conditions, the weather, the skies are crowded and delays common. Throw in ice, snow, low runway visibility, strong crosswinds, slick surfaces, and so on, and you've substantially actually reduce the number of allowable arrivals and departures per hour um, but of course this is going back to the stockholm Islander, which i've um, visited many times it's a very good operation there's three runways there but also of course it doesn't have the same levels of traffic that heathrow has either so yeah. that's another reason why they can probably yeah. uh, have, have better I mean, operations i mean actually there, I when imagine. You, you think um you know how, how the, the airports and stuff work i mean i mean actually you think it's really quite astounding the throughput that you get at Heathrow with only two runways. Mm. We, I mean, it's a, and it's an incredible operation, and that really, you know, I doff my cap to the to the legends that are in that tower because it is just, mm. I, I can't even begin to imagine how you know it, it works. As you say, and like Nev's saying in this story, it's like Stockholm is, you know, it's got three runways, and yet it has less departures and arrivals than the two runway Heathrow. I mean, it's it's it's. I, th I think too the. Um with what, another reason why UK airports are, are really just not great at dealing with snow is because they don't have the investment put into um, the, the snow plows to uh, preventive measures simply because we don't get enough of we it. Don't yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're based in Orlando, well then 
you're going to be in snow for how much of the yeah. year yeah. so there's there's, I mean, a, there's certainly a, when, I, when i lived in sweden it could start in you know october quite easily and go way through to to march so yeah for five months of the year there, there could well be uh, bad bad weather yeah. so um yeah obviously they're used to dealing with it all the time there's plenty of it whereas we get it here quite infrequently i mean mm. obviously more so in scotland but certainly yeah. in the in the south and east of england not not as much I mean, actually, on Monday, when we chatted during the week, you sent me a picture of uh, you know, when the snow was a bit light and embarrassing, you know, and it's like, uh, and it was, you were so sort of like, you know, it's, it's not snow, you know, I come from New York, this is not snow. There's <laughs> <laughs> an amazing picture of your Land Rover, like, stuck in snow, like, with yeah, six foot drift on top of it, yeah. Yeah, that's quite good. <laughs> um, a bit, I mean, it, it not only uh, affects, um, it, it's, not, it's not only because of the... the the weather, the the um, the operations and the investment, but it also has, you know, as it says in the article, it has a lot to do with the people that are there. Yeah. Everyone is just, just moving a lot. Yeah, is yeah. moving a lot more slowly. But then, but then you see, I see. I, I would maybe sort of flip that slightly, and I'm sort of very surprised that, du- that Dublin Airport has been struggling so badly because you I do know. get you do get quite a lot of snow in Ireland. No, we don't. We get slush. <laughs> we get slush. No, no, no. no. We, 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 we get in one day. Yeah, right? well. <laughs> have you seen the... So you, I sent you on the, the link. Did you oh, manage okay. to... Yeah, no, yeah. Give me a minute. Yes. So okay. um, yeah. there is a, 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 a quite reasonable reason as to why Dublin Airport is shot. And I don't know if anyone has uh, seen this video that we're just going to put up in a second. When did you second. send it? Um, it's on your WhatsApp. Is it? Sorry. There was a report on, on uh, ITV earlier this week, and they, they were talking to some bigwig in the uh, in the kind of um, airport kind of side of things, and they were saying that you know they're not willing to to invest millions of pounds in equipment that's going to stand still, pretty much all yeah, exactly. most of the year. Yeah, yeah. yeah true. Yeah. That, uh, that that is the thing. Yeah. So this this was uh, Dublin Airport. When, when was this? Oh, uh, this was this morning, I believe. Wow. Um, oh, okay. So you yeah. can see why uh, Dublin Airport is <laughs> is, is close. Yeah, that doesn't look. Where, that, that doesn't. Where, where poor planes? Where's the airplanes not tucked up in bed or tucked nice and warm? Where, where's yeah. the ground? All I yeah. can see is yeah, snow. Which yeah, which the runway exactly? Yeah. Yeah. what exactly occurs? Uh, I, I believe this is taken in the the kind of junction between Terminal One and Terminal Two. Um, wow. Yeah, but there's quite a lot of drifting going you on. You can't there, see there? either terminal, yeah. Yeah, no, uh, yeah. which is quite unusual for that part <laughs> of the airport. So, uh, yeah, that's probably why uh, Dublin Airport is closed. But also the, the Irish government just uh, put a red alert out and oh, wow. everywhere is closed, closed in, yeah, in no, Ireland. It's schools. Yeah. Oh, good day, uh, you know. Evan Shoe. Oh. Evan's joined us in the chat room. Hello, is that Evan. Awfully early, isn't he? Or is it? Like, I, I get very. Confused. I'm rubbish. I'm so rubbish at time zones. <laughs> well, probably be early at this stage. Glenn, <laughs> Glenn Tyler's just said that looks like Siberia. Yeah, and Liz has said that looks like Toronto. Right, well, yeah, fair point. Yeah, 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 the home, yeah, the homeland. Yes. Uh, anyway, uh, who's uh, go is it? Next, next? story. Um, that would be Armando. Armando. I think. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, from the Independent.co.uk. Uh, Dubai Airport to close one runway for the next or for 45 days next year. Mm-hmm. Wow! Blimey. So uh, they say uh, these upgrades are absolutely necessary to heighten safety, boost capacity, and pave the way for future growth, says Paul Griffiths, CEO of Dubai Airports. Uh, one of the two runways at the world's busiest airport for international tra- uh, international passengers is to close for 45 days in April and May of next year. Nearly half of the no- normal flights could be grounded. 
the southern runway at Dubai International Airport, which last year handled over 88 million passengers, is nearing the end of its design life. The airport, whose code is DXB, or Delta X-Ray Bravo, will close the runway from 16 April to 30 May 2019 for resurfacing and replacement of ground lighting. The aim is to boost safety, service, and capacity levels. A spokesman for Dubai Airports told The Independent, in terms of flight movements, the reduction in capacity is estimated at this point to be approximately 43% during the 45-day period. It is too early to estimate the extent of the impact on passenger traffic, as this will depend on how airlines respond to the capacity reduction. Some may decide to fly with larger aircraft if possible. Some could see their load factor increase, both of which would influence passenger numbers. Uh, the airport's northern runway underwent a similar program in 2014, but the passenger numbers were then around 65 million. Today, the airport handles more than one-third as many people. Dubai is the hub for Emirates, which has an extensive operation from, the, from six UK airports, Gatwick, uh, Heathrow, Birmingham, Birmingham, Manchester, Newcastle, and Glasgow. Uh, Emirates will launch flights from Stansted in summer 2018. Uh, yeah, I think it just kind of goes on and says uh, they regret the inconvenience they cause to airline customers, passengers, and so on and so on. But they'll get over it. <laughs> it continues think, on actually yeah. it, it's a good time to address um, Tony S's question in the chat room it says who decides what flights to cancel do ATC tell the airline they have to cancel a number of uh, flights um, I'm going to be slightly controversial and suggest perhaps it's whichever airline has the biggest check <laughs> <laughs> or whoever's best friends with Adam yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Um, yeah. Well, although I, he doesn't have a lot of say I don't think no. in Dubai no, not Dubai no <laughs> But do, I can't believe that Dubai, I mean, I've been through there a number of times, and that is an incredibly busy airport. Mm. And I think um, I think last year, I remember reading something online, they said they had like 7,500 flights per week, mm. uh, scheduled flights. Yeah, so I think that, that number's probably gone up quite a bit, I'd imagine. It's a, it's a crazy number of flights. Yeah. But um, that that uh, that the answer to the question, basically, is that, gen- generally speaking, um, the the airport authorities and the air traffic control will have an agreement saying when this condition happens you'll need to have this percentage of flights going and then it's up to the airline to to pick and choose and uh tends so to be basically, they, basically it's like these 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 many slots are available and yeah. each each airline you're only allowed yeah, so, so many so yeah. you fill them with what r- routes you want i suppose and generally it's it's what causes the least amount of disruption to the the operation yeah rest yeah. assured money's part of it too I, yeah. I, <laughs> you know I, i've been uh, yeah, yeah I, I i was able to go into the american airlines operating center in dallas um a couple times when my my dad was working there and uh it's amazing it's it's uh just this huge operation center and they have contingency plans for all these and they know exactly what flights make money what flights don't make money and which ones are going to cancel yeah, indeed. Uh, Nev, have you been uh, through uh, Dubai at all? Sorry to disturb you there. <laughs> yeah, I'm just doing Facebook. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> sorry, he's busy, ta- he's busy taking selfies at the moment. So yes. just, sorry. <laughs> uh, I have been through Dubai. Uh, and fact, I've, I've went there as a destination. I've never actually been through there to go somewhere else. But obviously, it's a very key hub to uh, the Asia Pacific. Um, it's sort of halfway between uh, Europe, isn't it, and, uh, and Asia Pac. Uh, and also a big stopover for the. Um, U.S. carries as well, so yeah. uh, but it's an impressive place, isn't it? It's absolutely enormous. 
They, they don't do things by halves in Dubai, no. do they? Oh, no. they, 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 no. they don't do small anything. It's, do it they? says it's here that they actually have an average of 193,000 passengers go through the airport each day. Mm. Oh, yeah, I'd easily believe well, that, yeah. yeah. That's that's a frightening number, yeah. isn't it? That is a frightening number. Okay, <laughs> so we're on to the last story then, and uh, Owen, I think this is with you. So the last story, um, we had one base close in the UK, but Wizz Air opens a first UK base, oh. so good news Ooh. again. Um, we'll finish on a high. Wizz Air this week opens its latest base at London Luton, its Ooh. first. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. Was I a bit enthusiastic there? <laughs> yeah, I think you were. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah he loves that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Nev's got his thumbs yeah. down and everything. It's not you know, bad, 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 bad. Anyway, I'm, I'm thrilled for them all. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's the first hub in the UK and Western Europe to, the, to coincide with the stationing of one A320 at Luton. Wizz Air opened new routes to Pristina and Tel Aviv. While a route to uh, Kutasi, Kutasi, I'm so glad you had Kutasi, <laughs> was launched on the 18th of June. The carrier now serves 42 routes from the London airport this summer. Owen Jones, oh no, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> This Owen is not spelled correctly. Um, CCO at Wizard said at the base opening, we're proud to celebrate the opening of the first Wizard base in the UK at London Luton. Wizard's very first flight in uh, 2004 was to Luton, and since then we've carried 30 million passengers on our uh, low fares routes from the airport, stimulating local tourism and aviation industries, while also strengthening business partnerships between the UK and CEE. Along with the opening of the new base at Luton, Wizz Air has also expanded its network from Riga and Koshka in this week, uh, with both bases welcoming two uh, routes each. Of the routes launched by Wizz Air over the past seven days, the average sector length is 2,191 kilometres. The link between Luton and Tel Aviv, which is the most heavily competed route launched by Wizz Air, will be flown by the ULCC, the ultra-low-cost carrier, four times weekly, while the remaining routes will see a twice-weekly rotation. So yeah, really good news. Um, for Wizz Air, for Luton, and uh, for really. the UK. I mean, it's nice to... Brings a bit of colour to Luton Airport, <laughs> does, I will say. I mean, a, a part of me is, you know, because I'm, I'm going to be... Brace yourselves, here comes the politics again. Because, mm-hmm. uh, well, no, every time... Every, you know, like you mentioned the word Brexit, and it's the excuse for lots and lots of things. So, I mean, the, the, this is maybe uh, an example. Perhaps one airline is less concerned about that than... than some others i don't know it's yeah. a, it's a difficult one isn't it that word brexit have have they finished their their um their things at Luton Airport, Matt. Have you been there since they, their regeneration of, of the terminal? Uh, no, I, 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 I sort of usually I'm more likely probably to sort of. I, I did say last time I went to Luton that the next time I went to be when hell had frozen over. So, uh, oh, well, maybe you do it today. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't realise it was actually going to happen this week. That's the trouble. Yeah. But uh, uh, there we are. I, are you a fan of Luton by any chance, uh, Nev? Have you actually been? I have, yes, have I, I've <laughs> flown from there a few times, uh, but oh. every time I go there, it's um, they've changed the way that you get into the airport again in yeah. terms of the car park flow, or there's more roadworks, or there's more building. I don't think I've ever been there in the last 25 years w- without some sort of major construction work going on, <laughs> uh, and it's just, it's, it's a very busy airport now, it's obviously a single runway operation, uh, but there's a lot of traffic going through that. I can remember going spotting 
flying there uh, for aircraft many, many years ago. This is before the EasyJet operations, and it was uh, Britannia and uh, airlines like that flying. And it was it was the holiday airport. There was very few scheduled services from Luton. Now uh, it's a big mix of of, of both. Uh, scheduled and, and regular commercial traffic and a big um, uh, private operation there as well uh, lots of biz jets uh, using Luton too so it's a huge uh, huge operation certainly yeah I've, I flew over it um, probably about <laughs> oh, uh, two months ago at this stage but uh, yeah it was definitely still in construction you can yeah. see that much is, yeah. that, that much is evident from the air you get a good view of all the cranes. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Of course, it is Pip's favourite airport is in the it? world. Yeah. Is it? Oh, I'm sure it is. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Very close to his home, no yes. doubt. Yes. So that is uh, the last story. That's where we bring the commercial news segment to a Okay, I'm going to get told off now because I haven't read the show notes, so I don't know what's coming next. So uh, <laughs> up next, oh. then, uh, we are going to hand things over to uh, Sir Nev. Oh, right. Nev's got, uh, <laughs> Nev's got a, well, let's just say Nev's got an interesting uh, passenger experience segment. So uh, take it away, Nev. Yes, you know how I like to interview my industry colleagues from time to time uh, about their flying experiences and how they've got on. Uh, but um, a couple of weeks ago, I thought I would interview someone different uh, about her flying experiences. And um, this week, we're talking to Gemma Stebbings. And welcome to another Nev's Passenger Experience segment. Well, this week, and slightly awkwardly in some respects, I'm speaking with the long-suffering wife of Carlos, Gemma Stebbings. The poor girl that has to put up with Carlos's penchant for aviation decided that she needed some therapy, and so I thought we'd have a chat about the flying that she has done over the years. Gemma has done quite a number of trips to the Middle East, and I began by asking her about the last flight she took and where she travelled to. Um, the last flight was last November, which seems like a long time away now. Mm. Um, we uh, obviously, as I'm sure everyone's aware, Carl did go to the Dubai Air Show. I'm sure they've heard that. So, And I, I went with him, um, not to the air show, obviously. Um, so we flew out from Heathrow to Dubai. Nice. And what was that flight like? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, no, actually it was, I mean, obviously I've been to Dubai quite a few times. Um, and then been through it quite a few times as well. So I know roughly it's about seven, eight hours. But actually, I think they were going to do it in about um, seven and a quarter, I think they said. So any kind of short, you know, shortening to the anticipated arrival time was lovely because I'd actually been at work since five o'clock in the morning that, that day. Well, got up at five o'clock and then we were doing a night flight as well. So um, nothing wrong with the, the, the flight at all. It's just um, I don't sleep on them. So I was very tired when we got there. Yes, I bet. And how long did you stay in Dubai for before you went on to Oman after that? So um, we, I think it was just, I was there two nights, Carl went to the air show. Um, so yes, yeah, so we had the Friday night together. Um, no, it was one night. We had the Friday night together. And then I flew out to go and see a friend in Oman on the Saturday night. Nice. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Did you have to get a separate uh, visa for that or anything, that, that separate journey? Yeah. So when you, when you um, go to Oman, um, you know, you do require a visa for, for, you know, the duration of your stay. A tourist visa um, is, is what obviously we would get. Um, and um, of the times we've been out there previously, when you get um, 
you know, when you when you arrive um, yeah, at immigration, the queue is often enormous if you time it wrong. So you can actually pre-purchase them online, um, which we we did for me for this time. It was about forty pound, thirty forty pound, I think. So, mm. but obviously, I I wasn't staying very long, but obviously, so you know but obviously i think it's for up to 30 days actually so it's just a set price yeah so we'd already prepaid that so i already had that so i was able to just come off the flight go straight through with my very limited arabic (laughs) (laughs) yes i bet (laughs) i can say thank you um to which the 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 chap at immigration was not massively impressed he said you should know more you've been enough times he said looking at my passport and he said is all you can say is thank you he said you should know more and i said well i'm really sorry i'm trying he was very very good humored actually really nice they're very nice omani people very nice Mm, yeah they are and now so that was the last flight you took but going Mm -hmm. way back uh to when you first flew can you remember the first flight you ever took we never really went um, abroad as a family. We, we never went abroad as a family, actually. We used to holiday in, in the UK, um, which was still really, really lovely. So I first went abroad <laughs> with um, not Carl, um, and um, I flew from Norwich to Cyprus, actually. Probably I was about 19, I would say. Um, and um, yes, that was my very first time flying. And I really remember thinking, I have no idea what to expect here. I mean, don't get me wrong, flying from your, your local airport was was lovely. Um, but yeah, the four hours felt like a day. Yeah, I bet. You know, <laughs> it's because you just don't know what to expect. And um, But I've never... Um, never been worried about flying um at all so um you know it was um yeah it was it was nice i I can't remember who i flew with um airline wise but um i think we had a meal and uh, yes that was my very first flight very first one and have you do have you done much flying generally speaking do you uh, these days do you try and get away you know once a year somewhere somewhere nice and warm yeah, we, we do try. I think, um, you know, certainly, uh, you know, I've done a lot of um, Europe and in, in more recent years, I would say we've, we've done a lot more um, long haul. My very first long haul flight was our, was our honeymoon um, to the Maldives. So um, that was my very, very first one. And I do remember being in the travel agents when we were booking it and thinking... 17 hours, <laughs> 17 <laughs> hours. And I thought, how on earth am I going to do this for 17 hours when all I've done is, you know, European flights, which were, what, two to four? Um, so, yeah, that was quite extraordinary. That that was. That was lovely, actually. That was, we were we were upgraded. Um, uh, we flew Emirates because I, I, I remember that one. And we were upgraded from Dubai to Mali in business class, which was lovely. And then we took um, a seaplane from Mali to our island, which I just, you just, yeah, was incredible. Really, really incredible. It makes a huge difference, doesn't it? Just being up, upgraded just for one sector like that. It's a, a different experience entirely, isn't it? It is, yeah. Un- unreal and almost to the point where I kind of thought, why is my life not like this? <laughs> Why is this not my everyday life? But um, I'm not a pop star, so, you know, um, one has to be satisfied with where they are. Yeah, so, like- no, no, it was really lovely, really lovely. And I guess because I've worked in retail for many years, I know how hard these guys... I can only anticipate how, how hard these, these guys work, um, you know, those long hours, uh, the, the level of, you know... Um, 
care and attention no matter how tired they are you know at the end of the day i could walk away from a shop lock it up and go but they're and they can't get away i I think the the, the cabin crew especially do an incredible job don't they especially on those long-haul sectors which as you say you know they've they've just done a you know 14 15 hour flight and they they have a you know a short time off and they're they're back on the next uh, rotation the following day so it must be yeah very hard work wasn't it incredible and i think you know if especially if they're dealing with something difficult or unusual um you know and and there's no way you can go particularly or anyone you can can ring for immediate assistance they've got to deal with it then and there i think that's um uh, probably overlooked actually if i'm really honest in terms of you know um a, a job you know that takes a lot of skill i think now, I've just happened to know that Carl can be a bit of a nuisance on the plane. In other words, when you land and you want to get off, all he wants to do is go and talk to the flight crew. Have you experienced this before? I've experienced it many times, Nev, and I'm actually really glad that he didn't take a flight to propose to me because that would have been really embarrassing. Um, but, yes, yeah, there's been many a time that... And I actually think there was one time we were actually held up we, I think they wanted to take off, actually. And Carl was up at the flight deck chatting away to the captain and the first officer. And I'm, oh, yeah, and yeah, it is, um, I find it a little bit embarrassing. I really do, because everyone's looking at me sat there. Everyone sat down, and then he gets up and goes, and they're all looking where he's gone, and they're looking at me as if to say, wow, what's going on? And I'm thinking, oh, and I could just disappear into my seat, but I'm afraid I can't. So, yeah, he's done that many a time. And um, I've obviously been lucky enough to go um, and and have a look around, you know, one of the flight decks before it's taken off. I have no idea um, what any of this stuff does or anything like that. Um, I'm, you know, unfortunately, you know, not very knowledgeable and would just go, oh, your seats look quite comfy, you know, saying something really... Uh, not cl- not not clever um and um yeah and um y- y- you know so yes he has done that many a time it is quite embarrassing he's not bothered i am yeah i was going to say he, he shows <laughs> no mercy what whatsoever he really isn't bothered one bit and i think sometimes they may encourage him a little bit <laughs> oh i'm i'm sure they do there's there's no question about that at all and what about sort of future where where would you like to go in the future you know if you had to pick a, a long haul destination uh, where would you like to fly to oh gosh i mean um I've mastered, obviously, the Middle East. I'm quite good at, uh, uh, you know, uh, eight hours. Um, I'm not, I have got family in Australia. I'm not massively keen and thinking about doing the flight. I've, Carl and I would like to go to Singapore. I think that's somewhere we would really like to go. Um, you know, um, I, I don't know lots, but obviously Singapore Airlines are up there with the uh, competing with the luxury um, big hitters. So um, I think that'd be... Uh, well worth seeing what they have to offer because I am quite partial to an Emirates or a Virgin flight. I won't lie, I'm um, I'm quite fond of those those brands. Um, but yeah, I, I would think just to push that a little bit further would would be lovely. Um, you know, to, to to see, it's just getting beyond the sleeping thing. Yeah, it, it, it is difficult, <laughs> and there's there's no question about it. But actually, Singapore, although it's you know twelve thirty an hour flight, if you were going to go to Australia, you know, spend a, two two or three nights in Singapore, and then going on to Oz is you know that extra seven and a half hours is is quite manageable as long as you have a bit of a rest in between. I think. I, I think so. I I know Carl spoke about 
one airline because um you know doing direct flights to us and i just said there's absolutely no way you'd get me on one of them i I couldn't do it unless i can have a live flatbed yeah i mean they're they're going to be qantas are launching their um london to perth route directly in march so that's going to be 17 and a half hours non-stop and Mm -hmm. that would be such a slog i I think you you i think more than for me more than 12 or 13 hours on a plane that that's it yeah yeah, I think I'm probably with you, Nev, on, on that one. As I said, I don't know it's this, this sort of seven to eight, um, you know, to, to Dubai. Although we did have an incident once when I think we were flying from Heathrow out to... We were going to Oman, but we went via Dubai. And um, some some sort of um, situation was... I think someone became ill as we were then about to take off. And we were, t- we were literally grounded on the tarmac for two and a half hours before we'd even taken off. And oh. I think that was probably... Not the greatest. It's not the worst flight I'd ever had, but that's the second worst experience I'd had. It's nobody's fault, and people get very angry, but there's nothing anybody can do. They've checked all the security on. They're not going to pull everybody off unless they really, really have to. But If someone's that, taken ill, then they're taken ill, aren't they? Exactly. There's nothing anybody can do. It's just, um, just like, oh, we've now got all these hours to sit here when we've already sat here, but what can you do? No, exactly. Well, as usual, Gemma, it's been great speaking to you and thanks very much, Dee, for telling us us all about your passenger experience. You're welcome, Nev. Find this and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. The Plane Talking UK podcast is a voluntary project that aims to keep you informed with the latest aviation-related stories from newswires across the globe. Producing our content does cost money, though. If you enjoy our show, why not help us keep on the air by making a donation towards the server and website hosting fees through PayPal? Any contributions would be greatly appreciated. Are you an Amazon user? If so, why not do your shopping through the link on our website? There's no cost to yourself, and Amazon pays us a small referral fee on qualifying purchases. To find out more about the show and to meet the team, take yourself to our website website www.plaintalkinguk.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash plaintalkinguk on Twitter via at plaintalkinguk or get in touch via email on podcast at plaintalkinguk.com Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. Fly B5823 Trent Dane for 23 hour Manchester with Air 6X Client Flight Level 210 Direct to Bretman's Park United, one, two, three, maintain two, eight, zero knots. Jumped into TME, turn right onto Bravo, link, do one, join Alpha, hold at Mora. Speedbird 472, LOC slash DME, approach runway 27 left. Follow the green stand 544. That's enough air traffic control for today, Nat. Bedtime. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to fly a commercial passenger jet? Looked up at the sky and thought, I wish that was me? Well, now anyone has the chance to have a go at flying in a real aircraft simulator. 
NP Simulations and Flight Experience London, the only official Boeing-licensed product of its kind in the UK, offer you the chance to fly anywhere in the world in their fixed-base Boeing 737-800 Flight Simulator. And that's not all. Ground School London offers many different courses for the up-and-coming pilot looking for a start in aviation. With prices starting at just £109, the sky's the limit. So, for the ultimate flight simulator experience, or engaging preparatory courses, including those for schools and colleges, check out the websites at www.london.flightexperience.co.uk and www.groundschoollondon.com or call on 020 300 40 616. NP Simulations. Fly your dreams. Well, it's safe to say, Nev, you, um, you uh, had fun there. I think we got away with it, didn't we? Uh, <laughs> we locked you in another room so that you couldn't hear what was going on. Yeah. But uh, it's interesting, isn't it, to uh, listen to what she had to say about, um, you know, flying with you uh, more specifically. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, but uh, clearly you're, no, you're not going to change anything about your, uh, your behaviour whatsoever. No, no, I, I can guarantee you that. And, uh, and I shall be doing exactly the same thing um, later this year when we fly it to Malta again with... Um, with I would Malta. expect nothing else. Um, yeah, yeah. no, but uh, well done, Nev. I, I, ra- I, I rather enjoyed the uh, the the sort of like you know the hanging her head in shame every time you go up to the uh, flight the, the flight deck and just like I can oh. that the flight she was talking about. I can I can remember that flight because that was um, that was an Air Malta flight actually going out of Gatwick, and um, I went on the flight deck before we took off and. Yeah. Um, we were just chatting away for so long that everyone was just waiting. So you were the reason why the flight was nearly late, essentially. Uh, I wonder, is there a delay code for passenger talking <laughs> to the flight deck? <laughs> Aviation weirdo in the cockpit. Oh, <laughs> there the must be some code no, but on, Honestly, in all seriousness, though, that um, I mean, Nev, you'll know this as well, a lot, lot of the cat, nearly all the flight deck crew I've spoken to in all my years of flying have always said that one of the big, big parts of flying they miss is yeah. not having the ability to have People passengers in the, during, in the flight yeah, deck yeah. during a flight to you yeah. know children uh, you know adults or whatever that yeah. they miss it yeah really really miss it so coming up next then we have got uh, a very special little piece of uh, audio which was sent to us this week uh, by our lovely listener jenny in rome so uh, here it is Hello Plane Talking UK, this is Jenny in Rome and would you believe I'm sitting in my car I've just parked in front of the Colosseum I might even send you a photo The snow's gone away and so I'm able to get the car out of the garage for the first time in a few days Anyway, you said you wanted some feedback so just just a few things um, I very much enjoyed last week's episode when you were talking about the new newly named Air Italy um, that's changed from Meridiana I've flown on Meridiana and they were they seem to be fine. They've had years and years of problems with industrial relations, so let's hope they've got that sorted out now and they'll be flying around all over the place. Um, Michael O'Leary of Ryanair was in Italy this week and he came to announce the new winter routes from the Italian hubs and perhaps of interest to people in the UK, there are now going to be flights next winter from Manchester not only to Rome but to Bologna and to Venice Treviso. Venice Treviso is a bit like London South End in that it's a train ride away from, from Venice but Treviso is not bad. I've spent a weekend there and it's very nice. And if you decide to go to Venice 
I suggest that you get a hotel in Mestre, M-E-S-T-R-E, which is a very short bus ride from uh, the, the Venice station. And the hotels are very much cheaper and, and uh, the restaurants and things. And then you just bus in and out for the day, which is very nice. Um, so that's that news. A uh, third, third piece of news is a colleague of mine, an American woman, who has always been terrified of flying. And it's always a great, it's always very difficult for her to go back and visit her family in New York because she just hates the traveling so much. Well, I talked her into booking onto Norwegian that have just started a direct route from um, Rome to New York at very competitive prices. So she booked herself into, I think, the more comfortable cabin. And she left the other day. And she's agreed when she comes back to be interviewed um, on her passenger experience. So uh, I hope it all goes well, since it'll be my fault if it doesn't. Anyway, I'll be sending that in next week. Well, thanks to all of you for your... Your wonderful show just gets better and better. Bye for now. Thank you, Jenny, in Rome for that piece of audio feedback. Always lovely to hear from Jenny every time. We do uh, enjoy hearing from someone who lives somewhere where it's probably slightly warmer than it is here in the UK right now. Right now. Although although she's saying, you know, it was a few days before she could go out because the car was like, you know, Snowed in, snowed in, yeah. But no, thanks very much for that, Jenny. And don't forget, uh, for any of you guys listening, we love to hear audio feedback from you, so send it in to us at the show. So we have had another piece of very um, special video feedback sent in, haven't we, Nev? Yes, we have. And um, are we talking about... um um, 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 I've lost my place in the thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. I'm glad I'm not the only one that doesn't read them. Uh, yeah. Well, anyway. I, I, I did read it, but I only read it. <laughs> yes. Uh, anyway, he's been rather aloof of late. I think it, yeah. it's safe to say he's been rather aloof of late. But it gives us great pleasure to we have a little bit of an update because he's a, the reason why he's been a bit aloof is because he's very very busy. And as, as we all know, the, he's no longer on the hawker. Is it the hawker? The, hun- mm-hmm. the hunter hawker was that mm-hmm. what he was on before? He, he's not he, on that. Yeah. Have I done that right? Yeah, he, he was on the yeah, hawker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Thank you. It's all right. Because I'm not very good at this. Oh, on this one, he's on the fe- he's on the phenom. No, I know, I know, yeah. I know. I'm saying, but you know, obviously he's changing. I'm, he's you changing. Are, you I are correct. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. He's changing yeah. aeroplanes. Yeah, essentially. So that's why he's been very busy. Very busy. So he sent us uh, a little bit of uh, uh, video feedback, uh, telling us all yeah. about that. Plane safety from the flight deck with pilot Pip. Hi guys, it's Pip here with a little video segment for you. Uh, Now, those of you who have listened to my latest podcast, that's Plane Safety Podcast, episode 49, uh, you would have heard Al and I discussing some of the the things that I both dislike and do like on the new aircraft, the Phenom. And this is what we're looking at at the moment. Here's the Phenom uh, business end of things. Fairly fancy looking, I suppose. Uh, Just very briefly, these are the two primary flight displays over there. This is the central one. At the moment, I've got uh, this one here is the uh, electrical schematic. Uh, it's a fairly basic electrical system, to be honest. We've got the ground power plugged in at the moment, which is feeding our 28 volts to the various electrical bits and bobs. Uh, these are the engine-driven generators they're off at the moment. Uh, this is a general status page. Um, any open doors or anything like that would be shown there, but everything's buckled up and and closed at the moment hydraulic pressure none of that because the engines aren't running Um, oxygen this is the contents of the oxygen bottles Uh, accumulator brake pressure that's all fine and a few other bits and bobs as well 
Um, and we can, there's various things we can look at up here actually. Let me have a quick scroll through on uh, on this side. It's the environmental control. Oh, damn it, that happens <laughs> all the time. I've got to select one screen or the other. And I keep doing the wrong one. So over here we can see that's the environmental system. Again, it's all turned off at the moment. Uh, what else we got? Fuel. Not much happening. Icing system, it's all turned off. But anyway, what I wanted to show you was, if I put that back to where it was, put the map back there. You know, we can we can chop and change, we can kind of have anything we want on any screen. Uh, but what I wanted to briefly show you was one of the things that I do like, um, which is the Connext weather system. Let's put map on full display, here we go. So here's our map, and we're in London City at the moment. We're flying across to Zagreb. There we go, about 800 miles to Zagreb. And so let's go into the, down here, this is the uh, the touch controller where I control everything from. So we've got weather radar there, we've got the Cirrus XM weather, which is the US version. And then we've got our Connext weather. So this is connected to a, an Iridium satellite, which is in turn connected to the uh, Connext server. Uh, Connext is a service by Garmin and this is all Garmin stuff up here and uh, so we can select what uh, weather we want to have a look at. This Connext is a, a weather service, gives us live weather, sort of live anyway, and we can select exactly what we want to look at and it pulls it down from the server. So we have various uh, things we can select to have a look at. We have radar data. Now, I, I incorrectly said on the podcast that this was satellite weather data, uh, and it's not. The, the information comes via a satellite, but actually the, the information originally comes from ground-based weather radars. And uh, however this works, it takes all the information from all the available ground-based weather radars and makes a kind of sort of combined weather radar picture which we can see on the screens. So that's that. This one, infrared satellite data, that is from a satellite. Um, that's slightly yes, less useful. I'm still trying to figure out exactly how to use that. METAR, so that's actual weather reports. That's um, very useful. We can see lightning. Um, so it detects any lightning strikes and puts a little display up on the map. And wherever there's a little lightning symbol, that means there's been a lightning strike um, to the ground within two kilometers of that of that uh, symbol. So that was my phone going there. What else can we have a look at? Winds aloft, we'll have a look at that in a second. You can select various levels of wind uh, as good useful information. Uh, SIGMET, significant weather reports, airmets, pilot reports. Um, weirdly, what's absent here is TAFs, um, forecasts, airport forecasts. Uh, that's for some reason not here, but that's okay. And then you can also go in and define exactly what, where you want to look. So present position, we've got selected destination, flight plan, and for the next 500 miles, I can go in and change that if I wish. Let's make it, oh, it's only giving me 500 miles at the moment, that's okay. And then any other waypoint I might wish to choose. So I can choose any airport in the world, really, to have a look at that. So that's what we've got there. So let's select, uh, let's select winds aloft, let's select radar, and let's select Metars and go back up to the screen here. So this is the dedicated Connect screen, but I prefer to have it overlaid on the map. So if I go into map settings down here, go to sensor, 
and then I can choose, so that's the weather radar, I don't want that. So I've got the graphical metas, I've got the connect weather radar selected, and weather source is connect. Now I could choose Cirrus for that if I wanted to, if we're in the States, but we're not, so I'll leave it on connect. And then if we go up here, we can see here, this is the, the radar data that I was talking about. So we're at London City at the moment, there's a beautiful Falcon 7X over there. Uh, it was snowing a second ago, it stopped now, but there is a lot of snow showers out there. So what we're looking at here, if I zoom in a little bit, this is weather collected from the ground uh, weather stations. And all this blue stuff is snow. In fact, if we go back to the, down here to the connect thing, we can go in and I can tap on legend. And there we go, it actually shows us what the colours are. So all this blue stuff is snow and this is all rain and this is mixed stuff. So if we go back to here, and uh, oh it's just a bit, there it is. We can see there's a lot of snow out there, especially in our departure route. This is our departure off runway 09 at City, heading out across Kent. And as we flew in, I can tell you this is all covered in, in snow down there. Uh, and what we can also do, if I get my little cursor here, look, this is just like a, an iPad touchpad. Here's my little cursor, you see. I can here, so if I go here to London City, oh man, my phone never stops going. Uh, and it pulls up the latest weather. So there we go, I can see that London City at uh, 10.50 Zulu, that was about 20 minutes ago. The auto weather system was giving winds 070 at uh, 10 knots, 10 k's visibility, rain, snow, broken at 2,100 feet, broken at 3,000, towering cumulus, temperatures currently 0, 2.5, and the QNH is 1024. And, you know, I can do this for any, any airport I wish I could scroll around. What's this airport here? That's South End. Uh, we can go across to LF80. I'm not sure where that is. If we scroll out a bit again, uh, we've got all these little uh, flags here. And the colour coding on the flags is quite interesting. Uh, and I can't remember exactly what it all means, but green is basically good weather. Uh, blue is slightly less good weather. Uh, there should be some red ones there as well, and some some magenta ones giving various sort of instant depictions of, of what the weather's like. Uh, so that's a really, really good system. Um, oh, let me show you the winds aloft. That was a nice one as well. If I go back to down here, weather, connects, it's a lot of tapping is the only thing. Uh, oh, should we have a look at the infrared, see what that looks like? Is that going to come up? Yeah, that's this is measuring temperature. It's meant to show you what sort of where the cloud tops are, um, but it always, whatever I select, it always just seems to come up with a big white blob. Um, so I'm not entirely sure how to interpret that. So let's get rid of that. Let's have a look at uh, Winds Aloft. Here we go. Winds Aloft is on. So all these symbols here is showing the wind, the wind direction, and the strength. You see, this one here is 30 knots. It's got three dashes. If it's got a big sort of triangular. Uh, dash that's 50 knots plus the smaller one so there we go that's that's 25 knots that's 30 knots I can't see anything bigger than that at the moment but that's looking at level 390 so if I was let's say I was going in this direction and I was thinking god this is a, a great big old headwind I wonder what the winds are like further down let's just select something else and hey presto it brings up another level and they're not all that different to be honest are they so that's a rather nice feature as well.
Uh, and that's uh, that's sort of it, really. Got some other cool features. I'll tell you what, let's have a quick look at this one. This I quite like. And this is something that's about to be approved for official use, although we do use it unofficially. If I go down here, let's just go back one. Hit this button here, it says checklists. Oh, not CPLDC. Uh, if I go to checklist, then I get all the checklists up here on the screen. So this is all the normal checklists, but the ones I really like, or the ones I think are very useful, are the uh, non-normals and the emergency checklists and the non-inane status. So this is really good when we're trying to, when we're in a high-pressure situation uh, and we're trying to work through some checklists. Here, let's have a look at for ditching, for instance. It puts the checklist right up here on the screen so we can both see what the checklist says and how far through it we are rather than one guy having a paper checklist on his knee and working through it and the other guy, the pilot flying, is having difficulty kind of keeping up and, and staying in the loop as it were. So we can go through these checklists. Whoops. How did I get there? Go back to ditching. And then I can we can go through, scroll through them one by one. We can even tick them off as they're done and they turn green. So I think that's a really, really good system. And we've got all the checklists here, and of course there are, are loads of them. The non-enunciated ones, um, we've got smoke ones, we've got all the various cautions which come up on the CAS, that's this thing down here, the crew alerting system. All the messages will show up there. Similarly over there, ah, my phone again! Will you shut up? All right, well, that, that was a, a brief video tour, uh, mostly of the Connect system. Hope you enjoyed that, and I'll see you all again somewhere very soon. But for now, this is Pip signing off and wishing you all safe flying. Bye-bye. Well, that was fun. That was so cool. Honestly, that, that was so cool. The quality of the video is absolutely awesome. Yes. Unfortunately, if you listen to the audio uh, podcast, yes. take yourselves over to YouTube and catch yep. the uh, catch the video show because that was really, really great. Did you enjoy that, Nev? It was good, yes, but he should have used a polarizing lens oh, on his camera, <laughs> otherwise you get a reflection. You see, just saying. Yeah, I mean, the, the, we've got technical standards, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that, that is true. There was a lot of yeah. talk in the chat yeah. as well about a certain number. Yes, um, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, uh, one of the suggestions was it was the was the hotel room of the uh, the head stewardess. Uh, perhaps uh, was one Possibly, of the options yeah. offered. Uh, I'm sure that's not true. No, but it is proof though that <laughs> Pip is still still living somewhere. Yes. And uh, yeah, thanks for sending that in, Pip. That was uh, yeah, that was really awesome. Yeah. Really, More really awesome. More of those, please. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. that was that was really quite cool. So, as you all know, we have got a very special guest in the barn studio with us uh, tonight. And uh, Armando, welcome again onto the show. Yeah, just super happy to be here. So, Armando, we're going to have a little... He's only excited because we're going for a meal afterwards. That's oh, the... I know, I know. <laughs> that, that's coming up very soon. Yeah, yeah, but, Armando, we're going to have a, a quick chat with you then about, uh, about you know, how did, uh, how did everything aviation start with you? Oh, man. Well, uh, yeah, I'm one of those people that, that came from an aviation family. Uh, my my dad was an airline pilot uh, for Puerto Rico International Airlines, so Printer, which I, I think at one time was the uh, the biggest commuter airline in the world or in the Western Hemisphere or something like that, um, flying to Havilland Herons actually of all wow. things. Yeah, so every time I see one over here, I get quite excited. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I send him I'll send him a picture or something like that. But uh, my brother is also an airline pilot. He flew for uh, Acme for a while and uh, Acme Junior, then Acme, then uh, went on to do some overseas stuff so oh, wow. yeah so the the three of us have been flying for you know ever, ever since i was uh three or four years That's old so i was cool. i have pictures of me uh, 
a whole different era before cockpit doors. Um, I used to fly uh, literally on, on my dad's lap when there was passengers in the back, and we used to just go island hopping. Yeah. Wow. So, <laughs> so I caught the bug pretty early on. So uh, moving on then to uh, to where you actually you obviously got your PPL, you got your license and stuff. So where did that all start? Um, well, actually, uh, the Civil Air Patrol, right? So so some of the other podcasts have talked about the Civil Air Patrol. It's basically the U.S. version of the U.K. Air Cadets. Um, and there's actually international organizations um, that kind of are trying to get that that youth in, involved in aviation. So so I I joined the Civil Air Patrol in the U.S. Uh, when I was 14 years old, and uh, they have this uh, incentive program. It's not even an incentive program. It's really just a, a syllabus for the kids where you get five powered flights and five glider flights, just free of cost, part of the program. Um, and after that, it was, it was you know I, I was. 100% hooked. Um, both my dad and my brother were instructors, um, FAA CFIs. So um, I had the, sort of the best instructors and went on to get my uh, my PPL and uh, multi-instrument and commercial. So yeah, it's just been an awesome ride. Mo- most of my life has been in uh, involved, heavily involved in general aviation. That's, that's really where, what so I like to do. On the note of general aviation, you've obviously flown in the US, Mm-hmm. Uh, have you had a chance to fly in the UK, general aviation? I, I have, actually. The um, Well, navigating the rules uh, is interesting, uh, especially because I'm flying on a FAA license over here. So just to just to get the rules and figure out what I can and can't do uh, can be challenging sometimes. But there's some, some really smart uh, examiners, both FAA and uh, EASA and CAA, that have helped me figure out what I can and can't do. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been flying a, a Cessna 172, a PA-28 out of uh, Barry St. Edmonds, and then uh, also out of Connington, there's a, a N-registered twin, a Piper Apache, that I've been flying with a buddy. So yeah, it's completely different over here then. So on that note, com- comparing flying in the US and with flying over here in the UK, what are the, the big differences? Uh, well, the cost. Um, <laughs> the, the, the whole thing... You, um, Landing fees are non-existent for for general aviation in the U.S. Um, the idea that uh, so I have flown into Dallas Love Field, I've flown into Charlotte International in a in a two seater, uh, and they just absolutely d- don't care. You know, they'll they'll treat you right, so you don't want to be in the way, but they'll treat you just like a like a big airliner, and and uh, you can land. I've had a, a small little red carpet put out. You know, <laughs> uh, of my little two-seater experimental airplane, and and they'll they'll give you they'll treat you just like they do, uh, you know, Pip if he lands in in, in a Hawker or a Finham, uh, and it's just the coolest thing. The freedom is, is just uh, very different. So I think all GA pilots here in the UK, we've all flown um, Cessnas and and the Pipers and stuff. Obviously, Pipers uh, low wing, and the mm-hmm. Cessna being a high wing. Have you a favorite? You know, do you prefer the high wing or the low wing uh, GA aircraft? Uh, yeah, not not really. Not, uh, each one is great. So um, so I ended up flying for the Civil Air Patrol um, as an adult. The Civil Air Patrol in the U.S. does search and rescue. They do disaster relief. They do counter drug, border patrol. Um, so in those in those cases, the the high wing is definitely better, right? You're trying to look down. You're trying to take pictures. You're trying to, um, you know, we do a lot of fire uh, fire lines and and just talking down to the ground. But there there really is nothing like like a low wing airplane and you feel like an, like you're in an airliner or a fighter jet and something like that. And, uh, 
So I'll go either way, just depending on uh, what, what I'm trying to do that day. So we're going to hand over the chat room. Uh, Nev, uh, you've got some questions from yes, the chat Yes, we're going to have a good look at the chat room. We've got some questions for you, Armando. And uh, Shorty Cro Cosgrove asks, what is your favorite airplane? Ooh, all-time favorite airplane is actually the A26 Invader. Okay. Um, I, t I just think it's a beautiful airplane and it sounds great. It's, it's the noise, isn't it? It is the noise. Some of these it's air, the radio. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's a great, great sounding uh, beast. And um, uh, from Tony S uh, asks, what advice would you give to youngsters, youngsters wanting to get into, uh, get involved in aviation? Um, well, there are certainly organizations like the the Air Cadets and the Civil Air Patrol. Um, in the U.S., we have the uh, EAA, the Experimental Aircraft Association, that does. Uh, Young Eagles programs, you know, there's there's all kinds of organizations. The, the key is to invest early in their education, um, get them in the air, uh, and just get them done as, as soon as possible. They'll, they'll get the bug, right? So their first flight, every every young person's going to get the bug. Um, and, you know, we've seen that at the air shows at, at Riyadh and Farnborough and every other air show. They're just in wonder. You just have to uh, capitalize on that, that just, you know, wonder uh, right off the bat and, and just get them done that yeah. that's that would be my my uh, advice yeah and uh, richard adams asks how does our air airspace compare obviously it's very crowded uh, in the south compared to where you've been flying previously i guess yeah <laughs> that's uh, that's especially true because i moved here from the sort of texas new mexico arizona uh, area where where they're um there is no airspace. You you could, <laughs> you could literally just take off without a radio um, from an uncontrolled field and just go. In fact, my, my friends and I from uh, from New Mexico used to go out and just fly low level. We'll, we'll fly the canyons and we'll fly um, you know safely, of course. But um, of course. <laughs> but it but it was definitely spirited flying, um, pretending we're we're fighter pilots and whatnot. Um, yeah, it's just uh, it's just much more open. Uh, however, I, I was still surprised in the UK. Um, the amount of uncontrolled airspace that you you can sort yeah. of navigate mm -hmm. around. Yeah it's, yeah, it's crowded, but but it's not uh, it's not uh, you know infringing upon anything. You, you just have to sort of plan around it. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Richard asks again: um, Have you got any uh, lessons learned stories from aviation? You know, <laughs> near misses or or things that you might have been involved with uh, in previously where you've uh, been able to learn lessons from it. Um, yeah, I, uh, you know, just kind of like everybody else. I, uh, so I, I ended up buying an airplane, which, which is affordable what? in the, <laughs> in the UK. Yeah. Um, wow. when you live in the middle of the desert, the, 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 the one thing you want to do is get out, get out of where you live and go. So I was actually, uh, I ended up buying a Lancer, uh, 360 experimental, which there's a, a bunch in Europe and, and there's a bunch in the U S. Um, the airplane gets a bad rap uh it, it, if you just google the lancer 360 there's all kinds of articles about uh you know people having mishaps in them mm -hmm. and, and really what i learned my, my biggest lesson learned is just uh take your time uh don't don't rush use all those tools that they give you in your ppl training to do sort of a risk assessment everything is just playing what if what if what if what if and uh and then just plan for for a contingency and that's that's really the the biggest thing i've had all kinds of stuff happen and i had an alternator go out and no electrics whatsoever in an experimental and, and it was actually a, a complete non-issue i had a handheld radio uh my okay. bro i was flying with my brother we we got on the radio and called in that case it was tallahassee and just 
they 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 declared an emergency for us, which I didn't know was a thing, because um, <laughs> I, I I was basically in a you know a, a soda can with wings, um, <laughs> and they, they they had fire trucks all down the runway because they declared an emergency for us. So it was I, I just consider it a nice welcome into Tallahassee. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Super friendly guys. So moving on from the from your uh, from the GA flying you do, then where did you go then to get to the position you're in now? Um, yeah, so same thing. Uh, Civil Air Patrol, I, I knew I, I, uh, I was going to try to join the Air Force to be, the U.S. Air Force, to be a, a pilot. Um, at the time, it, you know, it, it didn't work out so well. So, so I en- ended up getting a, a job as a crew member um, most of my time. So now it's 21 years later. Um, so I've, I've been in the U.S. Air Force for 21 years. Um, probably about a third of that has actually been spent over here in the U.K. Um, but most of that has been in uh, C-130s. Uh, that's that's really just uh, the majority of my career, and then uh, here in the UK, flying some uh, some CV twenty two Ospreys, which is a kind of a neat neat airplane. Um, it's fun explaining that to people at air shows, but uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's just been a, a, a great uh, career that I'm very much looking forward to uh, passing that off to the young guys, right? So the travel gets old after a little while. You mentioned earlier you talking that you you'd been to some air shows actually as like the other side of the ropes. Do you have a favourite air show where you, that you've been to where where you've been that side of the rope? Is there what is there a, an air show that really jumps out at you? One hundred percent Riyadh. Really? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, Riyadh, and I've done air shows in the U.S. Uh, doing static displays. Riyadh was just impressive. The the logistics, the the precision that that the ground crews, the flight crews. Or, or the flight support crews, everything was just, I, I think we landed and 20 minutes later, they already had our departure information for four days later. They gave us a cup of coffee and, and the transportation was already set up and hotels were set up. Rental cars were waiting for us. Wow. It, the Riyadh from the behind the scenes point of view was was nothing short of, of just impressive. Wow. Yeah. Felt very welcome. Yeah, yeah, and and the and the interaction with the other countries' air forces was great. You know, the the Dutch Air Force and the French Air Force, the the RAF. We at the end of the day, all, all the differences go, you know, by the wayside. And once the crowd leaves, we all just end up hanging out and I talking. I, I, yeah, I, I bet the I bet the mess is is quite a laugh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I bet there's some really stories is, that you're yeah. not allowed to tell from there. Yeah. I, I've I've been, I've been at the end of the day at a Riyadh and walked past the the, the kind of the, the Polish or the Czech C130s, and there's just been like a, a pallet load of beer and loud music. And, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I yeah. think that the, the Dutch bring a bar with them uh, wow. that is actually on a pallet and everything, and and it and it's great. It's just a great camaraderie event, and and despite what goes on in in politics or yeah, yeah. or anything, the air crews themselves are are just all there to have fun, show off their airplanes to the crowds, and really it's the crowds that that make it right. So. Um, just interacting with with the people all day long and they're long days right because you only bring one crew so you're there for for 12 13 14 hours and so it's uh having a beer at the end of the day is uh and to be fair well deserved yeah. it's well deserved yeah, yeah. Like I say, and sun isn't much of a problem here in the uk so it's not like yeah. you've got sunstroke or anything by the end of it yeah right <laughs> usually it's just a uh, dry mouth from from yeah, yeah. given the, yeah. the it's the same 15 second uh Sort of, speech. sort of speech, <laughs> but you're giving it 800 times a day. Yeah. So, 
Absolutely. So, Armando, have you got any, from your career, have you got any highlights or, or certain events that just stand out as being, you know, one of those, wow, this is awesome? Uh, there, there's just so many. You know, a 20-year flying career, it's, there's not one that stands out. You know, we've been struck by lightning over the Gulf of Mexico. Like we were saying earlier, I've seen the northern lights uh, from, from northern Norway. Mount Etna you know seeing that oh, wow. from the air on uh night vision goggles is is uh is pretty cool and uh it, yeah there there's i don't think there's any one that stands out it's just you know Excellent. it's just been a great ride so nev have we got any more uh, questions from the floor yeah, have you got any questions? the uh the, the chat room and um uh, lane street asks uh, you've got your uh, twin endorsement so what, what ratings have you got uh so they're all faa ratings uh and it's a uh, private and commercial certificates uh, with multi-engine, single-engine, and instrument, and then all the endorsements, the uh, or what we call endorsements. So it's high-performance, uh, tailwheel, complex aircraft. Wow. Excellent. So cool. That is pretty awesome. Well, so what, what's the plan for the future then, uh, Armando? What, what's the, the big thing for the future? Have you got any kind of big plans in the... In the, in the burner, yeah. in the back burner, as we yeah, say. Yeah, well, uh, th the, the plan is to, every pilot just kind of dreams of, of retiring and, and running a flight school or something like that. Um, so, so as I wrap up my military career, the, the idea is to go fly, uh, I, Pip's going to kill me or Al's going to kill me, but like, <laughs> I want to go fly cargo. I, I do want to be a, a vampire. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, uh, that, that actually sounds great to me. To that, That's real flying. That's, you know, your takeoff at, at, at sunset, usually into the weather, usually at, at night, horrible weather. Um, but, but I like the idea of being home in the morning and then having a regular life yeah. uh, where, where, uh, where you can actually spend time with friends and family, yeah. you know, and my family's back in, in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. So, um, I like that. And then, and then probably just get a couple of friends together and, and start a, a little business where we move airplanes around the world or, uh, do some flight instruction, something like that. So there's one last question. Then we always ask, uh, all our, uh, pilots who come on the show, Nev, what's that question? <laughs> Yes, if there was any aircraft that you could fly, either uh, current or one that is no longer current, what would it be? Oh, while I do love the A26, I think my, my number one would be uh, a B25. I, I would mm. just love to, you know, I remember watching Mel Gibson and Forever Young. and. So I'm going to be slightly yeah. controversial here. Maybe, maybe uh, so obviously, I mean, your background is mil military, obviously, but so, so if there, is there any commercial aircraft that you just simply love to have a go of? That, that 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 is either retired or non-existent. Um, yeah. No. No. <laughs> no. Uh, it is a it is a Lockheed product though. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it is the the constellation. Would be oh, yeah. yeah, Connie. Yeah. 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 No, number one uh, commercial airplane. I would love to. Heck, just even step on one, but but fly one would be even would better. Be amazing, mm. yeah, that would be cool. Well, we we can't thank you enough for uh, coming coming over the way because it's not been the best weather conditions to no. be doing it. So <laughs> to still, still come over here is, has just been absolutely yeah, brilliant. Thank well, it you should have been much. an hour drive, should, turned into two. So yeah, <laughs> no, thank thank you for coming on the show yeah, with absolutely. us this week. It's uh, been 
And awesome. it is, I'm afraid, where we've got to really start wrapping things yeah. up, purely and simply because, for no other reason, because <coughs> uh, Captain Jeff, the legend that is Captain Jeff, who's currently in the chat room from APG, is saying, would you please wrap this thing up? I'm trying to edit APG, and this is far too much of a distraction. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that's it. So, ladies and gentlemen, it, it is, uh, unfortunately, where we need to bring things to a close. How do they get in touch with the show, Carlos? Well, you can take yourselves over to our website, uh, www.plaintalkinguk.com you can click on there you can find the tabs to buy yourself a PTUK t-shirt yes. and you can also find the links to Patreon if you want to uh, donate a few pennies yeah. to the show and help to, uh, help to run the show you can find the links on there you can also find us out on Twitter uh, at, P, at uh, Plain Talking UK yeah. on Twitter and of course on Facebook as well find us on there and don't forget our YouTube channel as well indeed it's youtube.com forward slash Plain Talking UK is where you'll find that Nev how do they get in touch by email uh, email is uh, podcast at plaintalkinguk.com and that's monitored by the three of us and we really do try <clears throat> and respond to you as quickly as we can. We do indeed, yes. Yeah. So that is, I'm afraid, where we have to bring episode uh, 206 to a close. Again, thank you, Armando, for Thanks, for Armando. Yeah. Big round of applause. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Owen... Thank you. Yes. <laughs> you know, absolutely. And uh, that is where we bring it to a close. So we will see everybody. Uh, watch uh, the older Facebook and Twitter feeds to find out when we're going to be doing next week's show. And hopefully next week we have got another guest lined up Ooh. for the show. Do yes, we, we do. Okay. Yeah. So watch social media for yeah. all the details. That's where we bring And he flies to Boeing. <clears throat> anyway. Oh, dear. <laughs> right. So from all of us here in the studio and from the, the legend that is Nev uh, in Buckinghamshire and the lovely... Sir Nev. Sir Nev, the legend that is... It's time to say goodbye. Say goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys. Bye.